Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with David Dominguez. David was the first child born to Pedro and Consuela Dominguez in Del Carbon, Colorado, a coal mining camp near Walsenburg. The year was 1928, the same year that the coal mines began closing and the Great Depression began descending. For mining families, the Depression had started long before that. David's parents did everything they could to get by, but by the time David was seven, they decided they'd had enough. It was time to go back to Mexico. He decided to move to Mexico, back to Mexico, and then uh, he went to Denver and bought a truck uh-huh. and come from, uh, went to Watsonburg and loaded everything, all the, <laughs> all the possessions in, in the home, and loaded us up, and, and we left. Were there, how many kids were there at the time? Uh, there was uh, one sister and two brothers and myself. How old were you? I must have been about seven, seven years old. So you were the the oldest one of the f- yeah I was of the, the, family. Of the family yeah. So there you were uh, at seven years old on the road in a in a truck yeah, with all your yeah. possessions huh? And there was everything was loaded to the top and and he put a big tarp tarp so I rode on the back me on the dog <laughs> 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 and we ended up in Nogales Arizona. So and you so you crossed you crossed into after Mexico. After we crossed the line, yeah. Into in, yeah, because no, uh, there's a lot outside of the Nogales, uh, Mexico. They have there's uh, quite a few ranches. They they um, they plant tomatoes, tomatoes, potatoes, and uh, lettuce. He just set up a camp, uh, tent outside of the uh, town, and and he worked. Um, Go to those, those ranches, whatever was in season, uh-huh. and load the truck, and go sell them in downtown, in different places, different towns, and that's how we made the living. <laughs> so he he became a distributor. He would go and take the farmers' goods and then go sell yeah, them on the roadside. Yeah, he and stuff uh-huh. and farms, whatever there was. Yeah, he done pretty good on that because I used to see him with rolls of money all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> So what what did you do at seven years old? Did you help or? Well, uh, well he said our tent. We just stayed home. Right. You know, my mother and and the kids and myself, and we just wait there. What do you remember about that? Those camping trips. Was it pretty fun? Did you did you see it as a good time? Yeah, there was a there was a a river, you know, with water running, and that's where those farmers get their water, you know, and I used to go to. The, to the river and play around the sand. <laughs> That's what kids do, I guess. Yeah. And then, then from from there, he start going out to the to the coast, um, to around the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. You know, at the time there was no freezer or no nothing, so he buy stacks of fish, dried fish. You know. They salted and dried up, uh-huh. and beef, beef meat, like jerky. Right, it, right. It would look like jerky, all those things. Yeah, but stocks of them. He goes sell them too. So would he? Would you go? Would the family go with him, or would the family no, stay? No, 
I'm, you know, I never did go. <laughs> he had another helper to go with him. And, so would he be gone for days, or would he would it be just? Well, a... he he would be gone for days. Yeah. yeah. And then come back and and sell everything and do it again. Yeah, he was a hard worker, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, he's he, he always had he always had money, you know. And then one time he he heard there was a, a construction work and uh, building a dam. Yeah, and and he decided to try that, and so he loaded everything in the truck and and same thing. I run right the top of it. The tent, you know, uh, me and my dog. And one night, he drove all night, and then in the morning, he went out, to, going outside of the, the, the road because he fell asleep, fell asleep. Oh, no. And, and we were, <clears throat> me and the dog, he went in so, so far that uh, we went overboard. But I didn't tip over. And that would have been the end of me and the dog. Because the, the truck would have rolled on top of you. On top of us, yeah. I don't know. Were, were you hurt? Were you huh? hurt? No, 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 just scared. <laughs> I bet you were really scared. <laughs> then um, he got sick. It was, uh, I, th I think it was appendicitis that he got. You know, at that time they didn't know about that. Right. And yeah, that's a dangerous thing. And then first thing he died. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Was he sick at home or did he? Did yeah, you... he only lasted about a week. How old were you when your father died? Oh, well, must have been about 12 or 13. Yeah, anyway, we couldn't afford the, we couldn't afford the housing anymore. So you had to to depend on people who kind of knew how to prepare his body and, and get him ready for burial? Well, yeah, just... Um, couple of neighbors that night, that evening that night and and us that's all and then and then the funeral guy would come the next day and put in a box and and we didn't go over there so we don't know where he was buried or not so they just they just took him and you never did yeah, know yeah he must have felt pretty alone at that point huh oh that's yeah that was a terrible it was a shock to me you know, but I, when I was uh, going to school, I had to run errands, you know, for well-to-do people, you know, and, and babysit and do those things. From there I got on, you know. Well, my mother, she went to work at the boarding house for the, you know, the, the, uh, the company had a boarding house that would house engineers for the mine. And she went to work there, not in the boarding house, but washing clothes for the, because there was a woman, she would contract all that work and, and she hired, hired her, my mother to wash clothes and iron, just to iron and board. So that was hard. You had to go to work. Yeah, I do other things too. So I built them. You know, at the time too, when my dad was still alive, uh, there was a guy that had a, a, a grocery store. He hired me after school. To go stock the place, you know, and sweep around and, right. and things like that. You were already a working man even before your father passed, right? Did yeah, you, you... I had an idea of what to do. In the meantime, I, I built built me a, a shoebox, 
build me a shoebox because I, I used to see a lot of kids doing, you know, showing polish, you know, I mean, showing polish and shoes. Oh, a shoe shine box, huh? Yeah, oh. yeah, I built that. <laughs> Beside the store, he had a bar too, and he would send me over there. You know, to pick up bottles and stuff like that. But I would take my shoebox too. <laughs> and I'll make a, you know, pretty good. Yeah, that's something you learned from your father. You got to get the money wherever. Yeah. So wait, where did you live? You said you you went to the orchard uh, to, to, well, to well, live with the to, old we couple. We still live in Kananan town, yes. Right. Yeah. But then you went to live. You couldn't afford a house anymore after your dad passed. and you Yeah, went to live. after a while, you know, uh, you couldn't afford to pay, pay the rent or something. But that's when the, the old cop would come in and told us we could move to their place. Did you have a house on the farm or where did Yeah, they, it was actually a home and a barn. Chinese people used to live in it and they bought it from them. And they told us that we could move over there to live there. We lived there for, there for a while, about two or three years. And I was growing up, and my mother didn't want me to go work in the mine, copper mine, because the people, there was people dying every day, you know, miners dying every day, because we used to live behind the church and, and see all those funerals every, every day, guys from Silicosis. And this was a copper mine? Yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. My interview today is with David Dominguez. David is describing how he and his mother went to work after his father died suddenly. He and his mother were holding the family together, but only barely, when trouble found them once again. When did the accident happen to your brother? Well, that were at the, at the ranch. You know, them people had, they used to make soap you know, in the, at the ranch, you know. They had a place where they do that. that. But... Um, one of them times they left a, a, a jar of lye. And, and the brother, he must have been about three, four years old, and drank some and couldn't do nothing for him. Oh. They burned all of his inside. So he died. So he died, yeah. I took him a couple of times, carried him from the print up to the hospital, you, you know, on my back. <laughs> And he died of hunger. He couldn't eat nothing. So he he lasted for a few days and then yeah, finally yeah, passed. The, yeah, the same thing. We had, had to bury him there in that town. How long was that bef- after your father died? Your father died, and then how many years before you you lost your well, brother? The, he was born before my father died. Right. He was a baby then, yeah. And he must have been before, about four years old when... I used to carry him, you know, to the hospital a couple of times, because he only lasted about maybe a week. Same thing. And this must have been really hard on your mother. She just lost her husband, and she lost. Oh her, yeah, no, yeah. Her yeah. baby. And then, uh, and then not only that, uh, my mother was pregnant uh, uh, again when um, when my father died. And my sister, she was born about, because that, yeah, about three months later. Your poor mother. I mean, how did, oh, so how, yeah. did how did she take care of the baby? Who took care of the baby? Because she, she still had to work, right? Yeah, yeah. So who took care of the baby? Well, the, my, my, 
And have the rest of the kids. The rest of the kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the way that went, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So your mother didn't want you working in the mines. You know, there, there was a guy that uh, I used to help him when we lived in town. I used to help him. Uh, he was a neighbor. He had a truck. And uh, and I, but my, daughter, my mother thought she didn't want to go to work in the mines. And... It's so over. This guy loaded all the stuff and took us to Aguapriete and Douglas. There's two towns close together. The only thing they buy is the border line. So Aguapriete and, and Aguapriete, yeah, and, uh, and Douglas. Douglas, yeah. So this guy helped load your mom up and and. You know, the guy told him to load everything. We have my help there, and 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 took us over. So, and left us by the railroad with no, no place to. We didn't have no place, no money. Wow. <laughs> they left us by a tree by the railroad. He took you to Douglas. Yeah, they stopped to our Prieta, yeah. He took our you to Prieta, yeah. And just sort of made sure that you were all right and left. And then yeah, you, yeah. You just yeah, had your. Yeah, that's unloading. But went back home to. <laughs> kind of so up, there you were with. But the... maybe. Fifty miles of, you know. So you had home. the truck and, huh? and you had to camp there then, just like you did with your dad before, right? I mean, you you yeah. had no place to stay. No, no, no place to stay under a tree. That's it for two nights. Well, the next morning the, there was a train that come from someplace in um, another mining towns over there. They come to Aguapriete and, and cross the border too. Went to because uh, they would bring people too. There was a passenger car, bring people. So I went to see carry the luggage home. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah, they, you get paid for it. You know, not much, but there was a few some money that got coming in. So and, uh, I done that for a couple of couple of days, and. Uh, what was your mom doing? She was just. You know, my mom was, she went to uh, look for work too, and she found a place where we could stay. A place uh, in town in Aguaprieta. It was a uh, adobe home uh-huh. with no windows. Just a boarding boards for windows. You just shut them down and at night, to, and that's it. <laughs> so no no glass in the windows. Just, well, we just had a the... place. We got exactly, a place. Yeah, yeah. and. And but then the couple after being there a couple of days we I was went across the line. And I was I was um I get uh, I didn't have my papers and well uh, I would just uh, say at that time they would just let you to say American citizen. And they would let you through through. So I went to Douglas and I went walking on Main Street on Main Street. And there was uh, there was a big hotel there, and then there was a man coming from the next block. He was setting up a, a soda plant, and he was looking for for some help. So he brought it to me. He said, "If I, if, if I wanted, to, if I was looking for work," and I told him, "Yes, <laughs> yes." So he took him to his place, and he was at the time they were setting machinery. For the barley, barley. And oh, a, a soda plant. Yeah, yeah. and um, 
they were bringing bottles, you know, bottles. They didn't even use no cans at, at that time, just no, nothing but bottles right. for the pop. Yeah, then I stayed there for for a few years. I left that um, in 47. At the time of 1947, I wrote a letter to my grandma because she was living in, in Watsonburg. And I told her if she could send me $150 to come over, over this way. Because at the time, I was, you know, um, I thought there was enough money to live over there permanently. <laughs> You know, and you were you were still taking care of the whole family, right? Uh, you were taking yeah, care of your yeah, mom and the kids, yeah, and yeah, and and then I started like I couldn't have have a girlfriend because I had to take her to the show or to or to the dances or to play. It doesn't sound like so you I, had time I, for I, a girlfriend. I said no, this this gotta be it's gotta be changed. So I said, asked my grandma for hundred fifty dollars, and. She, she sent it right away, yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. And my interview today is with David Dominguez. David has just decided that he has to leave Mexico and go back to the United States to find work to help support his family in Mexico. But he knew his mother wouldn't be able to manage all of the kids while he was gone, so he packed up what little he had for himself and his two younger brothers and boarded a bus to Walsenburg, Colorado. His brothers, who were grammar school age, stayed with an aunt and uncle while he found a room with an older couple and began looking for work. For the next year, he worked loading train cars with alfalfa and 100-pound sacks of onions. But he soon realized that he had little to show for all the long hours and the back-breaking work. And that's when he decided he had to do what his mother had tried so hard to protect him from. He rode his uncle in Mount Harris Coal Camp near Hayden, Colorado, and asked if he could get him a job. Two weeks later, he was on a train. I got there with my aunt and, and uncle, and they got, they got above four children. And then, yeah, I stayed I stay with him. I got there on a on a on a, on a Friday, on a Friday, and and then Saturday, Saturday I went to my uncle told me to go to go to the doctor because they had your company doctor. Company doctor, yeah. Yeah, to give me a uh, physical. He said you got to you can go go to work. Yeah, I went and my uncle got me a hat and belt. That's all I needed. And by Monday, I went to work in the mine. Wow. You know, that night I couldn't sleep. I couldn't picture what a mine would look like. I look at times I would wake up, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> so you were worried about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially when you saw, uh, you know, at the copper mine, how many people could die in a mine. And your mother didn't want you in the well, mine, yeah, right? Yeah. But uh, still, I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't wait, wait to go see to find out what it was. No, everything is open, you know. Railroad going under the train, and a big. Uh, they have machines then. They had a, a a shaker. They caught a shaker where 
by second they right, transport see. the coal for right. they can transport for 300 feet 300 feet or 200 feet and dump them dump them into a, into a car, cars they they hold five tons uh, they were big cars right, yeah right. five tons they have a big locomotive yeah it was a modern mine good thing because I learned a lot of things <laughs> you know the way the mine used to look because they used to bring uh, college kids to you know they were and and mine engineers and they go look that's a model for them oh, yeah. so it was a model mine yeah and uh, yeah yeah I so worked there what was your first job there what did you do when you oh well, oh them they put me up in the, what they call a cross cut they had the shot the, bef- the night before and 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 here gave me a shovel loaded <laughs> so a shovel well, I started loading right yeah and um, I load one and they bring me another one yeah and I thought I was doing doing pretty good I thought I was doing pretty good work so I put me in the face too you know as a minor help yeah but that was kind of dangerous because they had they had a, b- a big machine and they had no wheels. They just uh, drag about uh, uh, by ropes, by ropes, oh. and to move the machine up to the face. And they had a lo- uh, machine had a long bar, eight foot bar. They would go in, you know, and, and my job was to to keep the buck dust so it wouldn't stall the machine. You had to keep yeah. the debris out away from them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was some old, old guys, you know, cranky old guys. You know, go by. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Holler, hollering at you and telling you to move faster. Uh, the old yeah. cranky guys. They come. would get pissed off uh-huh. if it's a stall machine. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So did you ever get hurt there? Or was huh? it was it a safe mine? Was the mine oh, safe? Oh yeah, that was safe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not a safe mine. Not being a mine, but when they start cutting, all kinds of noise coming. The, the pressure, the, the pressure uh, uh, oh. of the coal, you know, bumping. Sometimes oh, big man. chunks will come over the machine. So and the, you yeah. have to you have to shovel and <laughs> shovel and, and keep an eye uh, on the face. So you were shoveling, but you were also <laughs> watching because this, the whole well, ceiling well, could fall. Huh? The ceiling could fall. No, cold, you know, yes, from the, cotton. Yeah, the whole, not the ceiling was safe. Uh, well, not safe, uh, but the solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not safe, no. <laughs> not what we would call safe. <laughs> There's no such thing when you're We're underground. We're not support, not safe. <laughs> yeah, no. Not so safe. you always had to work with... With uh, yeah. the eye on the yeah, that's the way it was. So yeah. you had to live with it, yeah. and and then uh, and then. But the the, the thing is, um, the machine man will, will get pissed off if if, if machine stalls. Yeah, cause <laughs> because because they had a, a you know a thing to do too. Quota, yeah, they had a quota. They wanted <laughs> they can the... spend no more extra time, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it was. So I put up with it. But I was able to do it because, you know, because loading those, those uh, five, five sacks, 100 pounds yeah. up there, it put me in shape. 
Yeah, you, you, would, you wouldn't have lasted a day in the mine if you hadn't been lifting 100-pound alfalfa sacks. Yeah. that's they Because they had you really moving in the, in yeah, the mine. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, my mouth and on my toes. <laughs> so how was it trying to breathe? I mean, you're really breathing hard, and you're no, breathing... No, it no, no. no. No problem? Well, you know, I would sweat, yeah, but uh, no, no strain, you know. But coal dust, you're breathing coal oh, dust. Oh, yeah, I'm going well, no, because they have water on the machine. Ah, yeah, it okay. was hardly any, any, uh, any, you know, but before they, they cut it, before they sample and cut it, they, we used to uh, uh, poke holes in the face, but eight, but um, eight, eight holes with a drilling machine, with a drill, and 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 loader um, and and loader with powder, and loader with powder. Uh, yeah, gunpowder. Yeah, huh? yeah. And those wires will be hanging there. They sump. After that, they sump and cut across the face twenty feet, and pull it back, and and then they they shoot it down. Shoot the wall down, huh? Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you like the work right away? Did you did you like doing the work, or was it? Oh yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty great. And I thought the pay was great. I asked for housing at at the at the office. Yeah, they gave me a housing, and and then I, I bought my brothers from Watsonburg, and I started batching by myself. I thought it was pretty. It was hard work for my aunt and all that. Mm. You know, I I wanted to be independent. You know. <laughs> Well, yeah. How old were your brothers? I mean, they had to go to school, didn't they? Yeah, I put them to school right away. Yeah, ah. yeah. And, wow. um, so, so you were a dad. <laughs> Suddenly, you were a father of two kids. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you had been a father of this. Uh, of the, you were the father of the family. Oh, well, yeah, from father. real young. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I always have been to manage. How, how? I don't know how things come my way. Well, I think you made things come your way. You know, just like your dad. Yeah. That was David Dominguez. David married the love of his life, Molly Hargy, in the Mount Harris Coal Camp in 1954. And they moved to Glenwood Springs in 1956, after David finished serving in the Korean War. And for the next 46 years, David mined coal while Molly raised their five kids. In October of 2022, David died. He was 94. And for me, David Dominguez embodied hope, kindness, persistence, and good humor. All of us who knew him feel fortunate that he came our way. <laughs> <laughs>